welcome to Open Heart Surgery, a podcast where two queer best friends delve into the nuances of relationships and get curious about how to become our most loving selves. Hey, Adrian. Hey, Suze. Hi. Hi. We're mixing it up today. I'm starting us <laughs> off with a hey, Adrian. <laughs> Keeping you on your toes. Yeah. As I like to do. Yeah, you do. So after this, we're going to focus on working on our live show planning. So we yes. might as well promo that baby again. Yes. Come to our live show. If you're hearing mm. this when it comes out on Tuesday, you're only a few days away from our live yeah. show. Yeah. Live show's Friday, January 13th, 2023. Yes. Free Range Brewery in Noda in Charlotte, North Carolina. Come one, come all. Yes. 7.30. Did you say Doors 7.30? at 7. Show starts at 7.30. <laughs> Can I say we just listened to a story that our friend Carla is telling. She came over and told it to us for the first mm. time. It is amazing. It's so good. Y'all are going to want to hear it. Carla is a treasure. Yes, Carla is amazing. So one of my favorite things... Just a behind-the-scenes moment for the listeners. One of my favorite things is the headphones we wear when we're recording. They sound so good. You do like the headphones. I love the headphones. Whenever we don't have the headphones for our recording, I'm off. (laughs) I'm just off my game that day. It really does. does. It does. It does. So today, on the intro before we get into the interview... We have a little treat for you. Mm. So some of y'all may know, this is not the first podcast I've produced. This is the first podcast that I've like hosted and that's really my podcast. But I've actually done sound design and production on several other podcasts that are audio dramas. Yeah. So they're like fictional. If you're not familiar with audio dramas, they're like fictionalized audio. It's basically like, it's like a TV show or a movie you for your ears. You should say the names of them. Yeah, so I did Samuel Sift, Post-Apocalypse Detective, which I did with my friend Kevin, and it's a zombie noir podcast. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, it is a comedy, and it's, yeah, it's a fun podcast. If you like zombies and you like noir detective shows or things, it's a, it's a fun one. I also did sound design on a podcast called Human Error, which is interestingly another zombie podcast i don't know why but i've just done a lot of zombie podcasts apparently that's your niche uh yeah and not did not intend for it to be no. but it, it has become you're breaking out of that shell with I open am. heart surgery I am. yeah no zombies here no i um, could not <laughs> and then i've done a, f- a few episodes for a podcast called hubris which is a really fun project where we make a audio drama podcast in 24 hours Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Do you sleep? Uh, we do, yeah. We like stagger it. So we like stagger work. Also, like it was like with people all over the world. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I remember doing that. I, yeah. I remember coming over and you were doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very fun. And uh, another podcast called Someone Dies in the Elevator, which is an anthology podcast where in every episode, someone dies in an elevator. And I like that. It's it's actually a really fun one too. And you never know how someone's gonna die, and it's really fun. 
Anyway, so I've done a bunch of these that audio dramas. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You never know if someone's going to die and it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's you know. put that in our season two trailer highlight or season one highlight reel. It should be. So anyway, I have all this experience with audio dramas. So I thought it would be really fun to put an audio drama in our episode. I'm so excited to hear it. And I've requested not to hear it until the podcast launches. I want to be surprised. Yeah, you haven't heard it or read it. No. You have, you have no idea what it is. You're really trusting me on I, this. Oh my God, yes. I trust you so much. I saw this thing on the internet today about how trust is built by little blacks over time. And it reminded me so much of you, so I sent it to you, of course. But yeah. yeah, like, I trust you. <laughs> Thank you. So this is a little audio play I wrote. It's about, I don't know, it's going to be like 10 to 15 minutes long. And a fun thing is I actually wrote this in therapy. So What? Yeah. So when I was first starting to do therapy, thinking about getting out and dating and everything, I was talking to my therapist, who, of course, knows I'm very creative, and suggested, like, could I do something kind of creative to think about it or to process it or something? That's so cool. Yeah. And so I wrote a little play about dating for the first time. And it was partly, like, it was very therapeutic, so it was partly to kind of get that out. It was also partly because, so we're going to get to our topic here in just a little bit, but our topic today is flirting. And I like to think I'm an okay flirt. I like to think I'm. I can be. I can be pretty good at it. I think you are. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. I was looking for some validation. <laughs> and when I write, I like. I really like to write dialogue. So I really like, like some things that I like to to watch are like. I really love like Gilmore Girls. I don't know if you're a Gilmore Girls fan. I've never seen it, but I want to. Okay. I mean, I've seen like four episodes probably. Like I know Rory. Uh huh. Lorelai. Yeah. Isn't there a Luke? There's a Luke, yeah. You've covered the three main characters. <laughs> so Gilmore Girls is known for like this really snappy dialogue. And another, and I really love one of my favorite screenwriters is Aaron Sorkin, who also writes really snappy dialogue. Oh, cool. So I really like like snappy dialogue. So there's part of me that was like going into dating because I'm good at writing. I'm good at writing snappy dialogue. You I are. Think. I think I'm pretty good at writing you snappy are. dialogue. So there was part of me going into dating where I was like, you know, I think the dating would go really well. If I could just write a script and if my date would follow that script. <laughs> Gosh, if only that was how dating worked. I think it would be a very entertaining thing. Oh, for sure. So, again, this was a very therapeutic thing and also like a way of me like experimenting with flirting and experimenting with talking on dates by me, you know, talking to, at the time, a non-existent date in the form of a little play I wrote. Wow. I love that. I can't wait to hear it on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go ahead and play it. So here's the play I wrote called I Might Be Bad at This. Hey, uh, Alex, that's me. And you must be Sophia. Yes. I'm so sorry I'm late. I couldn't find my keys. Does that ever happen to you? I looked everywhere for them. I have this hook on the door where I usually put them, but for whatever reason, I didn't this time. 
So then I had to scour the whole house and finally found them. And then the traffic. Anyway, sorry I'm late. That's no problem. It, it's just not something I usually do. I'm usually very punctual. Hello, how are you this evening? Oh, uh, hi. I'm good. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Uh, can I get you started with a drink or something, or do you need a minute? Well, I haven't had the chance to look. Oh, that's fine. I can come back. What did you get? Oh, it's the Merlot right here. That sounds great. I'll just have that. Excellent. I'll be right back with that. Any appetizers or anything else for now? Maybe the artichoke dip? How does that sound to you? Sure. Great. I'll be right back with your wine, and I'll put in that dip for you. Thank you. Okay. How are you? I'm sorry. I feel like I'm all over the place right now. Oh, no, you're fine. I'm good. How are you? Besides the whole keys thing? Where were they, by the way? The keys? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's the thing. They were in the pantry. (laughs) Really? Yes. That's why it took me so long to find them. I mean, why would I put them there? (laughs) Sorry, I'm not laughing at you. (laughs) No, it's fine. It is funny. I've definitely done that before. You have? So, I'm not weird. Well, I don't know that I'm qualified to determine that. (laughs) Touché. Well, here's your wine, and that spinach dip will be out shortly. Can I get you anything else for now? I think we're good. Unless you want anything? No, I'm good. Sounds good. I'll be back momentarily with your app. Okay, thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's a good Merlot. But yeah, just the other day I put my wallet somewhere that I usually don't put it. It took me forever to find it. I turned the whole house over. I was throwing cushions off the couch and everything. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. That's where I was today. And then finally, I was like, I just need to retrace my steps. And I was like, I brought in the groceries. And there it was. There you go. It's always the last place you look. (laughs) It really is. You know, it took me a while to realize how funny that was. What was? That statement. It's always the last place you look. You know, because, like, I just took it to mean it's always going to be in the last place you expect. Right? But also, like, of course it's the last place you look. Because then you don't need to keep looking. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I'm sorry. Am I being too much? I feel like I'm being too much. No, you're fine. You don't need to apologize. Well, thank you. I just feel like I should have told you up front that, well, I might be bad at this. Bad at what? Just this. Dating. Ah, yeah, well, it doesn't get any easier as you get older. That's for sure. I just haven't done it in, I don't know, 20 years? Wait, this is your first date in 20 years? Yeah. Should I not have told you that? 
<laughs> no, you're fine. I feel like I'm still just figuring it out too. It's all new now from when we were in our 20s, with the apps and everything. Right? I know it makes me sound old, but I'm only 40. And I like that I can meet people easily. It's just not the same. Yeah, it used to be like your friend set you up. Or you met at a party or something. But all of my friends are married, and all of their friends are married. And I don't go to parties anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like my situation is so weird. Like, who would want to date me? Well... <laughs> right. Sorry. Obviously, you agreed to it. And I appreciate that. No, I get what you're saying. But I think at this stage in our life, we all have some baggage. Yeah, I guess that's true. We've all lived different lives. Full, sometimes messy lives. So, yours looks a little different than mine. That's not a big deal. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. It's just, my husband and I, I thought we were going to be together forever, you know? I mean, we said, till death do us part, and really meant it, you know? Yeah. And I still love him. Like, I really do. And he loves me. So it's not like we've even broken that vow. And I'm talking to my perfectly nice, polite date. About my ex. I'm sorry. Seriously? It's fine. I was like this when I first started dating. Really? You talked about how you still loved your ex? No. So, maybe not just like that. <laughs> <laughs> but internally, I was freaking out. I just didn't say it out loud. Yeah, I probably do tend to say too much out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be something to work on. I appreciate that feedback. But anyway, when I just started out dating, I was just a jumbled mess. I didn't know how to talk or what to talk about. How much should I tell about my past? Myself. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there are so many stories to tell. So many questions to ask. So much I want to know and want the other person to know. I don't know where to start. Yeah, I know. But you know what they say about the past? We call it that because it's past. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just the cheesiest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said that. Apparently I'm still bad at this too. Well, cheers to being bad at this together. Here's your artichoke dip. Thank you. How's it going over here? Can I get y'all another round? I... <laughs> I think so? Yes, please. I would love another round. Me too. All right, coming right up. Well, now we're dragging the server into our awkwardness. Well, I didn't want to assume you wanted another round. I didn't want to assume that you weren't ready to get the hell out of here. Well... You know what- I swear to God, if you say you know what assuming does- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's um, definitely not what I was going to say. Nope. 
I hope you've picked up that I'm just being sarcastic at this point. Well, I figured, since you did agree to another round. Want some dip? Sure. Well, actually, no. No? Yeah, I'm actually lactose intolerant, and that is just pure dairy. Oh, I'm sorry, I should have asked. No, there's no way you could have known. I just said yes because, I don't know, I guess I was trying to be agreeable. Ah, I see. Yeah, I get that. Why do I do that? I don't know. I do it too. Especially when I first started dating again, like I was afraid any inconvenience would set my date off. Yeah. Well, can we get a different appetizer? No. I ate right before I came. I'm not hungry at all. Thank you, though. So, what actually happened between you and your husband? Do you actually want to talk to me about this? I don't know. I don't mind, and it seemed like you wanted to talk about it. Maybe it would be good for you to get it out? Are you sure? It isn't weird? Oh, it's weird as hell, but this night is going kind of weird. Might as well embrace it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. This isn't how I meant for the night to go. Would it be weird to tell you that I'm enjoying it? You serious? Yeah. Most of my dates are so boring. Talking about the weather or our jobs or whatever. This is interesting. Okay. Well, if you're okay with it. Hit me. Talk about your ex. Well, turns out... He's gay. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. How long were you two together? Twenty years. We got together in college. And he didn't tell you before that? Well, I don't think he really knew. We both grew up really conservative, and that was just never an option. So I think he probably just didn't recognize it. And he never, like, cheated on me or anything. We had a really good relationship. It just turns out he's into dudes. Which did explain some things in the bedroom. But yeah, that's my story. Wow, that's quite a story. So you two are still... friends? Yeah, I don't know what to call us. We're so close. Friends seems like a weird title. But also... He's into dudes. Yeah, exactly. And I consider myself an ally, you know, for the LGBTQ community. But it's a lot harder when it's your person. Well, yeah, of course. You can be a good ally, and it can still be hard when it impacts your life like that. Both of those things can be true at once. Yeah, I know that. It's just hard to apply that knowledge sometimes. Yeah, sometimes there's a big disconnect between what you know and what you give yourself the grace for. Yeah, for sure. Wow, yeah, all of that's gotta be a shock at 40. Yeah, seriously. I really never thought I'd date again. But here I am. Okay, your turn. You want to get anything off your chest about an ex? (laughs) No, I think I'm good. You sure? 
I just bared my soul to you. This is a free pass you won't get on most dates. There's not really much to tell. My ex-wife and I had a pretty normal relationship. We just grew apart, I guess. We just wanted different things. Divorce is always hard, of course, but ours was probably as amicable as it can be. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. It is what it is. Sorry, I'm apparently all idioms tonight. Hey, if I get a pass on talking about my ex, you get a pass for using idioms. <laughs> Thanks for that. Well, sorry my ex story isn't as exciting as yours. Hey, we can't all live out the plot of Lifetime movies. I'll drink to that. Here are some fresh glasses of wine. Well, that was good timing. Yeah, I love it when I do that. Wow. Can I get you anything else? Y'all doing all right? I think we're good. You good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Can we ask you a question, though? Of course. How do you think we're doing? <laughs> I'm sorry? Uh, well, we're on a first date, and and both of us think we might be bad at it. So I just wondered if you could give your opinion as an impartial outsider. <laughs> uh, well, this is the first time I've been asked a question like that. Yeah, I think we're all having some firsts tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think y'all are cute AF. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. I think I am, too. Well, let me know if y'all need anything else. Okay, thanks. We will. Well? Well, maybe we're not doing too bad at this. Or maybe we are, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe that. I Might Be Bad at This is an original audio drama written and produced by me. I'd like to thank the voice actors who contributed to the project. Sophia was played by Leslie Gideon. Alex was played by Tal Manier. And the server was played by Steven Indrasano. Background music by Space Baby. Okay, and we're back. I love when you say that. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that little play. I had a lot of fun making it. Big thanks to the uh, voice actors I got to help make it with me. And yeah. I'm really happy with how it came out. I'm not going to listen to this until Tuesday, but I know I just loved it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our topic for the day. Let's talk about flirting. So I was married for like three years and mm -hmm. dated my the person I was married to for like two. So mm -hmm. I had like five years of no flirting. And uh -huh. then, you know, like I had some time for sadness after we separated. And then when I was like, I want to get back out there, I was like, how the hell do people flirt? How did I ever flirt with someone? Yeah. And it's kind of like riding a bike. Yeah, it is. I realized you pick it back up. Yeah. And I think part of it was because like, the more I focused on myself and fell in love with myself, the more I picked it back up. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. think that's, I think that's so true. It's so much of it. I feel like is just being your authentic self. Yeah. And, and just leaning more into that. 
your your authentic self and the more you lean into that like it felt like i was like getting my mojo back yeah yeah no i totally feel that yeah for me i think it did come back first when i started dating like on the dating apps like it uh, that's kind of how it first came back for me because i'm like again i'm a writer so i'm a very text-based person so i think like once i started texting i started flirting over text you know and i got good responses to that then i was like oh yeah like I'm good at this. I'm. I can be charming. You're so charming. Yeah. <laughs> Did that then translate to like actual, you know, in person flirting? Yeah. It like wasn't that hard because I feel like once I get established, like kind of a rapport with that person over text, then I would get to the point where I felt comfortable with them and I felt comfortable with myself and I felt confident that they liked me. They thought I was interesting. They thought I was funny. And so, like, that really gave me the ability to go, like, oh, okay, like, I can do this. I can just be myself, and it'll be good. Yeah. I love that. And yeah. you were, it seems like you're really good at that, being yourself and just oh, thank being you. able to be you. Thank you. I think you're the same way. I try. <laughs> but, no, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. oh, should I be more... I don't know. I can get in my head about it some days. Like, should I be more this? Should I be less this? Should I look more this way? Should I look less this way? Like, pressure, societal pressure and comparing yourself to others is hard. Right. Is that ever hard for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? It's hard for me sometimes. Well, the hard thing, too, is I feel like when I was trying to mask certain parts of myself Mm -hmm. because I thought maybe that's not what someone else wanted to see. It's just a guessing game, you know? It's just like you're gambling. You're like, I think it would be better if I showed people this and I didn't show people this. Yeah. And it's like a hard guessing game because you're like, if I'm genuine in this way but not in this way, does that work? Oh, no. Then maybe I should be genuine this way but not in this way. And like it's a hard guessing game and you never know who you're going to please and what they're going to want. You're so right. It's so exhausting. When I really think about it, it's like, I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with a real man. Right, yeah. Like, how long can you keep up a facade? (laughs) exactly. I mean, I guess some people can for years. For me, it's probably like eight days. (laughs) 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 After eight days, the facade, if I tried, it would be gone. I just, I mean, I never changed myself, really. But I still get in my head about that sometimes. Like, should I be more? Should I be less? Like, and... Maybe that's just the normal human emotion. I don't know. Can you tell that my therapist has been out of the office for a little while? I need her to come back. You need need some help processing some things. You've been my therapist. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, we need her to come back. (laughs) I I have not been trained for this. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's been good. good. No, it has been good. I'm obviously here for you. I know. Whenever you need me. I know, but God. But I just, I, my, my I advice and it will not be at the same level. <laughs> I didn't realize how much she's just like, I mean, I don't have any, like, I'm not in a crisis. I'm right. not, you know, there's nothing really happening significantly horrible in my life. Right. But it's just like my little tune-up. Right. It's like my yeah. checking my tire pressure. Yeah. <laughs> like Sierra talked about in our... Yeah. We were talking about that with couples, but You're also so like right. for yourself too. Yeah. That you need that little, you need that little tune up. Yeah, need to go I need in my and make oil sure change. Yeah. I feel that. 
So I just thought about something, speaking of my therapist, I just thought about something that my therapist said to me once, and it goes back to that, like, am I too much? Am I too not enough in certain ways? Like, should I be more of this, less of this, all that complete bullshit? Mm -hmm. And she said, who you are is absolutely wonderful, and access to your deep intimacy and love is a gift. Uh, I love that. And the people that you want to connect with romantically, truly, like actually want to, will realize that your deep intimacy and love is a gift. Oh, I love that. <sighs> That's so good. I think about flirting. Mm-hmm. It's our topic today. When I think about flirting in my mind, I see a little spark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of like just like a spark, uh, like a sparkler, fireworks sparkler yeah, 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 spark. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, you know, even though I didn't flirt for a long time, I still knew what a spark felt like. Yeah. And I knew that I wasn't feeling it a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and that feeling that spark, that's rare, I think. That's such a great point. Like there's because there is just such a big difference when you're vibing with someone, like whether it's on a dating apps or on the date. Yeah. Or like you just met someone, you can tell like that little spark. Yeah. That's such a great way to put it. You know if it's there or not. And I feel like you can't force it. Right. Yeah. If you're not, if you're like not vibing someone, you can be talking to someone and it can be a perfectly fine conversation. Yeah. Maybe even an enjoyable conversation. Mm -hmm. But like if you don't have that little spark. Yeah. It's not, it's not the thing. No. You gotta have a spark. So another thought I've been thinking a lot about flirting Mm -hmm. because I'm in a relationship again now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a broken record with a wonderful human, <laughs> and I love flirting with her. Yeah, and I know from past experience and just being a human in this world, logically, you know, that new dating yeah. spark that can't last forever. Like, yeah. that's I mean, think about how poor that would be for us evolutionarily if it right. did. Yeah. We would never hunt for food. Yeah. We would never, we would just mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I'm not, you know, delusional that, like, that level of spark lasts forever. But uh-huh. I think, like, I think back to my marriage and other relationships, I think I've, yeah, I haven't always done a great job at doing my part to keep the spark alive. Yeah. And I read something the other day. Because, like, God, I just read so much stuff about relationships and connections and love. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's all I see on the internet because that's yeah. what I've curated my <laughs> right. social yeah, media yeah, to totally. be. And it said, don't give your best self to the world and give what's left over to your partner at the end mm. of the day and expect, if you do that regularly, don't expect that to leave you with a great relationship. And that hit me because yeah. I've done that before. And yeah. I think it's understandable based on like the phase of life I was in. I wasn't where I am now in life. And I needed to focus more on certain other things, namely career goals and things like that for various reasons. But it just hit me. Like I am not yeah. going to do that again. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm preserving my energy to give the best of me to my partner. Yeah. And... I don't want to give so much that there's, you know, nothing left over for the world or nothing left over for me. But I want to make sure, like, she gets the best of me. And I've not done that before. 
So that was kind of a wake up call. Yeah, that's a really good challenge. Yeah. And a really good thing to remember. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it feels relevant. <laughs> so I, I'll i take it from here. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. And over to Adrian. I do think that's a great point to make, especially when we're talking about flirting. Is like because we often think of flirting in terms of dating, in terms of meeting new people, but like that's the thing is like keeping the spark alive. You got to keep flirting, you know. I want to like you got to keep flirting when you get in that relationship. Yeah, and it's and as you keep going. Yeah, and like I just said, I want to. It's not even that I want to. It's that I will. Yeah. Now, like I'm not even gonna make it a goal. It's just like I will do that. Because I've learned. And that was something that I did not do a great job of. Like, I would give everything to the world. (laughs) Just because I think I was comfortable and I was like, well, we're together. Right. (laughs) Right. But no, that's that's not great. And it's really easy to get to let yourself get drained by your job or by the world and by like whatever's going on. And like to come to your partner. And like wanting them to fill you up, which like in a sense, that is what partners are there mm-hmm. for. But if that's all you're doing, then you're yeah. not giving, then you're not giving yourself Absolutely the way you should. Yeah. And so it's a good balance, I think. I agree. And I keep coming out back to the podcast and like everything I do lately because yeah. I'm realizing how valuable it is to me now. Yeah. This fills me up so much. Yeah. Same. Like I left work. I was stressed. I had yeah. to work a little late tonight. And I came over here and I walked through the door and I immediately was like, oh, I just got to be creative and hang out with Adrian and have yeah. fun. And like, now my cup is filled. Yeah. And the next time I see my partner, I'm going to be such a better person because of that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I look back on things and I'm like, oh, I could have done this differently and this differently related to this in past relationships. And I also really want to make a point and will, like I will in this relationship now going forward like okay yeah you're gonna see me in my worst pjs and i'm gonna not look great in the morning sometimes but i want to keep the spark alive (laughs) well and i think we're gonna talk about that some in our next episode yeah yeah we will yeah so that'll be a good kind of little hint at what's to come (laughs) yeah for sure so you want to jump in, let's listen to our interview on flirting? Let's jump in. And I edited this interview recently. It's so good. It's so good. I remember it was a really great conversation. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am I got so much out of it editing it. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. It's, that's you. the fun thing about editing it is we, you get to hear it all again. Yeah. It's and you been get a while. To, you get to like relive it multiple yeah. times and be like, it really helps it all like kind of sink in. Yeah. So thank you so much to our guest, Clara. We'll talk more about her yes. in the interview, but uh, just wonderful. Here's interview with dating coach, Clara. I think I told you a little bit about our podcast in in the email, but just to kind of, I guess, tell you again. It'll <laughs> um, be great. So like Suze and I, are, we're best friends. And we both, over the last year, we're both going through, we were both married and we're both going through a divorce. So over the last year, which, you know, it was- It's been a wild ride of a year. It has been. Um, So we were both in extended relationships and now we're like dating and like trying to figure out 
that whole thing again. And we just found ourselves just talking about relationships and like that kind of thing all the time. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) And we both really love podcasts. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we both really love podcasts. And we've been talking about doing a podcast together on something. And it just made sense for us to do this. Yeah. I love it. So it's called Open Heart Surgery. And it's all about our journey to just finding out more about ourselves, the type of relationship we want with others, with ourselves, just becoming our most loving full selves, really. Well, it's an interesting time that I'm chatting with you guys because I get married, like, I don't know, in like five weeks. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. That's Congratulations. So Thanks. I'm like the, the, I say that I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, I'm like the like anti-bride bride. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of already married, but, um, or rather the stuff that is, I mean, uh, things will change, but, but yeah, I'm very interested to talk to, that was what really caught me when you were like, we both came together and there, we're creating this thing out of this experience we're both in right now. And I, I love that. I really love, I love when people do that. It's been really healing. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like you create what you need. Yeah. And when you create what you need, then it tends to inherently be good. You know, yeah, I love that. So yeah, yeah. it's been in a weird way fun. <laughs> yeah, it has been. Yeah, yeah. totally. It has been for sure. <laughs> All right, so welcome everybody. We are here with Clara Artschwager, who is a dating coach, and I'm going to let her introduce herself <laughs> too. But she's a dating coach, and she has a podcast called "I Think I Like You." What else can we know about you, Claire? First of all, thanks so much for being here. And uh, you're so welcome. Yeah, can just tell us a little bit about our yourself and uh, what you do. Yeah, I often say I'm like the dating and relationships coach for people who don't like dating and relationships content, and I feel yeah. like I I'm a coach, but I'm also a writer. And I think what pulls all of it together is that. I'm really fascinated by and driven by creating dialogue and content and spaces where people feel seen and heard, but in really non-traditional ways, not to go straight into the patriarchy, but Hey, (laughs) Um, (laughs) we're always, we're always down for bashing patriarchy. And, um, you know, we, before we started recording, we were talking about you kind of, you create what you, you need. You two were brought together by this evolution in your own life and, wanting to create something, um, out of healing. And that was me more in 2022, but that was very much me in 2014. I was 28 and living in New York city and working for self magazine and all clad in J crew. And my relationship of seven years had just ended. And like, <laughs> I say all that night, all that now, like a bit glibly because I'm like, Oh, I look at those pastel years and it's like really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was in this dating landscape of, it felt like never had we ever had more quote unquote resources, whether it be books or apps or content at our fingertips. And never had we ever been more miserable in the context of relationships or seemingly so. Yeah. At least at at the internet would have us believe. Yeah. And I just found, even amidst my heartbreak, I just found that to be kind of fascinating. And I'm always the person that if someone's like, no, it has to be this way. This is the right way. This is the only way I'm like, really, but really, 
Like that's so curious to me. And so even though I longed for a relationship and all of these things in a certain life, I was able to kind of see that, that perfect storm, if you will. Um, and, and honestly, since then it's grown in so many different directions in terms of how I look at relationships, how I look at dating and life and romance and intimacy and all these things. And so the bulk of that work rests in a podcast I produce in writing that I share, and then the way in which I work with people one-to-one in that capacity. So I, I tend to do well. I often say if like, it's the, the, you know, the 35 ish or the 40 ish woman, although I've had some men who are like, they're less like, oh my God, I'm going to die if I don't get married this year. And more so like, what is this thing we all are supposed to want? And like, I yeah. think I want this thing, but it hasn't worked out for me yet. And like, what does that all mean? I do well in that gray space. So I don't know. Did that kind of help say what I do? <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so great. Just kind of to piggyback off that, I'd like to tell you how we found you just like to kind of speak to kind of like how we've interacted with your work, I guess. So we were talking through like different topics we wanted to do for our podcast and different episodes we wanted to do. And one thing that we put down is we wanted to do an episode on flirting. So we wanted to do an episode on like how to flirt and like, you know, again, we'd both been out of the game for a little bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had no clue what I was doing. (laughs) I can tell you that you pick it back up though. You don't. (laughs) So we were feeling a little rusty. I just Googled, like, I, I don't think I Googled how to flirt, but something <laughs> like that. I, I Googled, like, tips for flirting or something like that. And I came across an article that had, I don't remember if it, it featured you in some way, and it was, you don't have to be good at flirting. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, I like this take, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, so that I looked up your information, listened to your podcast for a bit, and and we just really loved your take and kind of your perspective on that. And just, I don't know, like it felt like a very holistic way of approaching it rather than you being like, here's some good flirting tips. Be like, you know, here are some things to think about when you're wondering how you can be better at yeah. flirting or dating or this type of thing. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I, I, I tend, I'm sort of the antithesis of the like, here are 10 ways you can be better at flirting. Yeah. <laughs> because what I find is that it's, it's kind of like a crash diet or like, here's how to get flat abs in in yeah. a week, which we know isn't true, right? Yeah. But it's like, we're right. also tempted by it. And and part of that is the way our brains work. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think when it, you know, just to give a little backstory on that article around flirting, I um, write for a variety of different outlets. And that's been great in terms of supporting my work, because it gives me you guys found me that way. And it gives yeah. me exposure, yeah. and it, it can often build clout. But what I find is, and this comes from having I had a stint in publishing, so I'm familiar with the publishing industry and, and um, whether it be, I mean, prints kind of of a different thing, but like a digital particularly where like you, you have to drive click throughs, like traffic is the metric and traffic is what is driving your bottom line and the advertising and all that kind of stuff. So I understand that they're looking to create content that is going to appeal to the reader and is going to hit on the things that they are really suffering from. And then they're tacking on a a title that will drive them to click through. And the the thing that I, the thing I often find on the 
and and some <laughs> some journalists I think are like, yeah, okay, we're just going to go to somebody who uh, is going to just give us some straight tips versus yeah. you <laughs> you that are like, well, let's have like a deep existential yeah. conversation around right. why we're creating this in the first place. Right. Um, but so with the the flirting, you know, I find and flirting is just one facet of it. You know, like what makes someone good at flirting, right? It's very much a sort of, it's a mental game. And if you're like, oh, well, I've, I've, I've been married for a while and now I'm divorced or I've been single for a while and I'm, I must be doing something wrong, you know? Yeah. And so I've always tried to make a point. Like I was a very awkward dater. Like <laughs> in general, uh, I'm an awkward person. Uh, and, and uh, which my fiance would attest to. Um, <laughs> but I'm just more comfortable with that awkwardness in myself. And, yeah. and, I guess I try to play out that stuff or bring up that stuff or write about that stuff because I think when you're in this position of like you are a dating and relationships coach and you must have the I'm like, yeah, mostly because I've I've come to terms with my humanity. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of a lot that's kind of that's a bigger angle on like the flirting content, but I'm glad that it resonated with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I just like appreciate so it seems like you do a lot of different things. Like there's a lot wrapped up in your job, I feel. Like it seems like you're like doing some philosophy, you're like doing some therapy. It seems like there's a lot in your job that's just kind of that there's you're touching a lot of different aspects of just kind of the human experience. Yeah, I would say it's like I always say my coaching is therapeutic in nature. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely an element of philosophy, a sort of kind of whimsical and curious approach to like the state of our world and why we are the way we are and why we do the things we do and why we want the things we want. And then the sort of traditional stuff around like, you know, this is very much based in traditional psychology of like why we're drawn to who we're drawn to and why our, our relationships play out the way they do. Uh, so yeah, I, I bring, I, I often think of, I had a previous life as like a food blogger and mm-hmm. so cooking is a big part of my life. And so I often think of like a very complex broth where you've brought in like all of these different elements to it. And mm-hmm. so when I work with people, I really work across all facets of their life from their, a lot in their job, a lot in their like living situation and their, the way in which they approach their, their hobbies or whatever it may be to then reflect back to how is this impacting the state of your your relationships or lack thereof so Mm. um yeah yeah what is that what does that process kind of look like when a client comes to you and you start working with them yeah so i do i do i work with people in two different ways either do like a long-term engagement which is six to 12 months or i do like a two-hour intensive call with folks and in either scenario, a little less on the two hour call, just because the one-off limits us a little bit. But I, I found in really looking at this stuff within ourselves and really looking at the nature of our relationships, our patterns within intimacy and romance that one-on-one, like, like a conversation, I mean, obviously not coaching you all right now, <laughs> but conver- but dialogue of this kind is only one way with which to get at, I often think of like a, an undercurrent, an underlayer, um, one way to get at that, like what's really there, like what's underneath the surface. Yeah. And so conversation is one written work is another, which I do and then content. And so 
I developed, and honestly, I didn't know. I say right now, like I developed a modality, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I hope I can swear on this. Sorry. I had no idea I was doing that until the other side when people are like this writing element that we do interspersed with our work, because there's very much like an ongoing dialogue that I have with clients in between the sessions themselves. And people are like, these questions you're asking me, these things you're having me write about is so helpful. Mm. And what was happening was that I would have a conversation with a client and much like we're having a conversation right now, even in the few words you two said about your respective relationships and what dating has been like, there's one level of listening where you, you hear literally the words coming some out of someone's mouth. And then there's another level of listening where you hear the emotion and just like something else that's lurking there. I often say to client, I'm having a conversation with you. And then I'm listing back here, or I'm typing notes (laughs) back here, meaning in my brain, like 17 other rocks that I want to look under. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there are topics that I know, hmm, like I had a client last week for the first time, we've been working together for the better part of nine months now. And she's like, I want to talk about my fertility. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Like, we're like a lot we need to cover in our 75 minute session that we had. I was like, this is interesting. You've never brought up fertility. Like I actually, Hmm. I want to have you write about that first. And so I'm going to build up journaling questions for that. And clients know the dynamics such that they're not like, but wait, I didn't get to this in this call. And so there are certain types of exchanges or information where I know that it would actually be better for the client to enter that part of themselves and that thing that they're grappling with by way of the written word first and me craft it's, it's a, these are very deliberate questions. It's not like put your notes in here on what you brought up in session, you know? And so I guess I feel like I'm, I'm rambling here, but like in terms of what it looks like when I work with people, like that's a very significant element. And then the third piece that kind of strings it all together is content. And this has a little bit to do with my, my modality. And I guess also the way the brain works. I mean, because we're talking, what I'm mostly looking at with people is their patterns. I'm getting them to understand their patterns to really see them on a subconscious level. And then we work to create change from that. Me as one individual in a process working with someone is only one facet by which they can have that pattern or that tendency mirrored back to them. And so what I will do is very intentionally drop bits of content, whether I I read whole books with clients, I have them listen to certain podcasts or read certain articles where that I know they're at, let's say a certain juncture of having an aha moment around their relationship with their mother. So like, we'll get to a certain point in session and I'll be like, okay, cool. Your homework for this week is blah, blah, blah. And it's not surprising to me that they come back and they're like, oh my God, Clara, it is like, like, you know, the conversation between, I don't know, it could be Cheryl Strait and Elizabeth Gilbert or, you know, Terry Cole and <laughs> whatever these other, and, and like that, mm-hmm. like woke me up to so much within myself. And so it's sort of like I'm dropping, um, I don't know what you would call them, but like packages that I know that will like serve them and yeah. they'll be like, will awaken them to themselves throughout the process. So it's a very, um, it's very bespoke in that yeah. way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, I hope that made sense. Yeah. Yeah, that made yeah. a lot of sense. So I have a question that came up. We were listening to one of your podcast episodes. Was this the episode on flirting? I don't know. We listened to a couple and they were just wonderful. But you said so many things in it that I resonated with so much. 
one thing was, you know, try not to view marriage as this end all be all. It's really something that you can add to this full life that you should be cultivating. And you said flirting is often most effective when you really get in touch with yourself and you really figure out what what it is you like, what it is you want, how your personality can shine through in flirting. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'll start with the flirting piece and then go into marriage. You know, it makes me think of God, this was back in my, I was 21. It was just a few months shy of graduating in my senior year of college. And I didn't know it, but I would meet that evening, the guy that I would go on to date for six and a half years, which would rupture at age 28, which was necessary for us both, but it was a really significant relationship. But on the night of that, I, and I'm sure we've all had these moments in our lives where for lack of a better word, like you're really feeling yourself, but not in this ostentation, ostentatious kind of way. You're just like, damn, like I just feel fucking good in me. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that to be true because we were at this restaurant near the campus. It was clearly like this restaurant's ploy to try and bring in more money because it was like a very fancy French restaurant that all of a sudden decided to start doing like a happy hour from nine to 11 PM on Thursday (laughs) nights where it was like, you know, half price, like, um, you know, a sparkling wine, or I'm trying to think of like a French sparkling wine. Anyway, so we were all there. And I was always much more interested in the food than I was the booze, largely because I have the tolerance of a two year old, like I'm like one <laughs> drink in and I'm like, woo, like, like, you know, that's good for me. Um, and I was just sitting at the counter with my roommate and these two guys, one of which would become my boyfriend made their way over to us, but I was enamored with these profiteroles, which is like a puff pastry filled with ice cream and chocolate sauce on top that I could eat amidst like all of my friends. I was like, I am in heaven with these profiteroles. And I believe that, oh God, how was it? I was looking at them and I took a bite and I was like, oh, this is so good. (laughs) That, that viscerally. And this guy turned to me and he was like, can you make that noise again? (laughs) (laughs) And I highlight that because I wasn't like, I'm going to order these profiteroles and plant myself in front of this guy and make these noises. I was so radically myself in that moment. And this guy, I mean, I I know he was, I'm sure drawn to other things, my appearance, whatever, but like, it was just like a magnet, you know? And so I think of flirting in that context because, you know, the unfortunate thing about all the language, it's like, just get into you, just get into your own life. Just do you. All of that sounds so trite, but if we can like get below that, I even think for myself, I'm like, if I'm struggling, if my work is off or if my body's off or if I'm irritable with my partner, I'm like, what do I need to come back to myself? Like, what do I, what do I need? And what do I need? And so that's what I think of when you ask the flirting question, because it's sort of, I remember working for, well, I had a past life in, in marketing and, and I ran marketing for a tech startup years ago before I became a coach. And I remember the CEO saying, we need something to go viral. We need something to go viral. Mm. And it's like, you do not plan virality. And I sort of feel like you can't plan virality. Like you can't plan flirting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think even the, like being so into ourselves can be, we can overthink that. Yeah. So instead, I think if we call upon, like, that's why I shared that example, because even for myself, 
if I were to sit here and be like, how do you get more into yourself right now, Clara? I would think back to the moments in my life where I just felt kind of like aligned and alive and like so wholly me. And that, that, I mean, that's a magnetic energy. When you feel inclined to flirt or a situation feels, you're like drawn to an individual and that can happen. You can be romanced by a podcast. You could, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the gender that you're attracted to, (laughs) you know? So when someone is just so in their element, you're like, God, it just, so um, that's, that's what I mean around flirting. And then do you want me to, to go into marriage or I, I wanted to give a little space here in case there was something else you wanted to tack on to that? Yeah, I relate to that so much, like, because as someone who can be pretty awkward, you know, and I've suffered from like my share of like, kind of like, uh, so I'm non-binary and I've kind of dealt with some like kind of body dysmorphia and like gender dysphoria. And so like, there's been times when I, I have, have had trouble like kind of getting into myself, you know, and just being like, leave those things behind and be like, just be me, like, don't worry about those things. But the, the moments when I was able to do that, like, I feel that, like, that is something I've been, I've felt most comfortable, like, interacting with other people and, you know, can get a little flirty. Yeah, I mean, I think what I love about that example that you shared is that we could very much look at that outside of dating and relationships. Yeah. Like, that could be you struggling to get into yourself in the same way that any of us could is generally a reality that, like, is there are parallels across different areas of our lives. And I don't say that to be like, oh, well, there's a problem over here and there's a problem over here. But more rather that like, actually, if, because I think if we go in being like, I'm going to get better at flirting to meet people, it's like, can start to resent that process. And it's like, well, do, do I even, you know, but if it's actually more about coming into yourself, which has a cascading effect, then it ends up being more about you than it does the other person. Mm-hmm. Mostly with women that, you know, especially in their later thirties that I work with that are really struggling and have never had the type of relationship they want. Mostly it's that they're very far from themselves. They're completely detached from themselves as like individual beings with wants and needs and desires. And, and there's a a good reason. It wasn't just like, they were like, I'm going to pick this path. (laughs) You know, they've been conditioned (laughs) in that way, right? you know, but like, the men fall into place. Like if I'm doing that work with a client, like the people come into place that they need, both in terms of practice and tests and then the actual relationship. So I think we're still in the line of flirting, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is just so interesting to hear because something, and I haven't even really thought about it in terms of what this could mean for dating, but I feel like since the whole divorce process has started for me and I'm 31, I have become my best friend in such a way that like I don't think I've ever been before and I'm just getting in touch with all these different parts of me that I kind of you know put on the back burner I was more focused on someone else which kind of makes sense because I was in a partnership but it's just it's been this huge friendship with myself and honestly the more I get to know myself, the more flirty I feel, the more I like want to date, the more I, you know, it's like a huge confidence boost too, I think. Yeah. I mean, something I'm kind of like contemplating and I, I, I certainly don't have a clear answer for it, but I'll be, I'll I'll turn 37 a few weeks after I get married. And there are many ways in which this year, especially I feel like I'm just coming into myself. Mm -hmm. and. 
it's funny because I, I was like, well, I thought that at 28 and 32 and 35. So I get why now people are like, oh, 40, oh, 50. Like, you know, I think <laughs> yeah. that I'll, yeah. I think that I'm going to come around this a few times, but yeah. I, I also have friends and colleagues and what, or, or they're just stories that I hear of women who I know that married in their mid to late twenties and are coming up against either leaving their marriages or coming up against a wall. And I just don't really know how I could have gotten married any sooner. And with that, even having a partner who we both came to the relationship being like, we have lost ourselves over and over and over again with other people. And like, by the way, I'm like, come hell or high water. I'm not doing that here. Yeah. Yeah. And us both working to, it's a real thread of like, these are things that I, you know, need to, to feel, feel like myself and kind of stretch in the way that I want to stretch. So yeah, it's a, it's a really, I like myself too. I love hanging out with myself. <laughs> I want to hang out with her all the time. Yeah. <laughs> love that. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But that kind of dovetails into marriage too. You know, this yeah. sort of, I have said, I don't view marriage as the be all end all for, I guess, a few different reasons. reasons. I mean, my sort of history there is that I, I came from divorce, but not just di- like my parents divorced when I was five, but it was a pretty like, it was like the nineties and everyone's parents were divorced, you know? So I, I felt in good company in that regard. And it was for, the, for as divorces go, like it was quite amicable. And like, I didn't feel like the weird kid whose parents didn't stay married, mm-hmm. but my dad a- across his lifetime was married four times and would have been married again, but he was like, I'm too old. And so that was, that was special when he shared that news with me. <laughs> and uh, in the midst of his fourth marriage, my mom was wow. the third. And my mom was married twice and then never remarried after they split. And then, you know, sparing you all this sort of family history, there was just a sort of like a kind of, and I see this as a gift in many ways. Like I came up the chain being like, this is going to be a problem area for me. Mm. Things are just, it, it wasn't like mom and dad divorced and that's bad. It was like, things are just funky here for everyone. And I think now I see how much marriage can be used as sort of a bandaid of arrival. Well, I've done the thing and I've checked the box and now I'm like whole or good or safe in some capacity. And I think I just have such a fear of lost self, which I have you know, I think part of the reason I'm meeting myself circa age 36 is is for all the reasons that I didn't have me to me for, you know, the last 35 years or whatever it may be. And I, I, I also think too, that we're in a really evolving society. We're in a radically evolving time and heterosexual monogamy is pretty limiting. And and I, I guess I don't even need to label it as heterosexual. Like I just, marriage as we traditionally viewed it, even though that is changing so much, I think it's just starved for nuance. Starved. I don't, I don't know. I'm curious how, I mean, you're, you know, one year out from, it seems like fresh for me, but I'm curious how you all now both like look in that, at that in your respective situations. So I primarily date women, so I don't really have the heterosexual viewpoint of it so much as, (laughs) well, 
Yeah, then I was like, well, I'm going to try to date men in my post-divorce phase. That was a whole thing. So, um, <laughs> but I, I think I looked at marriage as this one way that I wanted to be married. And I thought I had all these strict plans for my life. And I wanted to have kids at this age. I wanted to, you know, have my career figured out by this age. And none of that has happened. And it's completely okay. It's hard some days. It's amazing some days. It's freeing some days. It's sad some days. But on the whole, it's completely okay. And I feel like my life feels more open and full now because I didn't really realize that, you know, if it's a good relationship, it's not going to end so easily as mine did. So I feel like, you know, it's it feels more full and I know I'm in a better situation now. So that's my take on it. And I think I will go into future relationships with a broader perspective and broader appreciation of all the different ways you can have relationships and also exactly what you said, I will never want to lose myself again. Yeah. So that's my take. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah, again, kind of along the lines of what you were saying, just like seeing as broader. Um, so I came up actually very conservative um, and actually my wife who I got married with very young, she was also very conservative. So I came out as non-binary and she realized she was gay and really just attracted to women. So we're actually still very close. Like we're kind of platonic partners, but so just that experience itself totally opened up my, um, my view and just like how broad relationships could be and like the just the value of different types of relationships Mm -hmm. so yeah I definitely resonate with that that there is just a lot of possibility I guess going forward yeah you know it's interesting I'm recording this all with you the week that a podcast will release later this week around it's an interview that I did or a conversation that I did with a friend and a colleague and she is was hetero ident- heteronormative in terms of or I guess hetero identifying in terms of her relationship she got married to a man in her late 20s and had three children did the whole thing and they divorced in the last year I want to say and now she's identifying as queer and one of the big reasons she and I bonded at a writing uh, workshop years ago like in like pre-pandemic. So it was like a decade ago Um, (laughs) was because my, I'm very sort of, you you know, you would meet me and I guess I'm very hetero identifying in in a way. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't even really know what to say about that anymore, but, but, but just for the sake of people listening. Right. And what I could tell because she was writing about this love for a woman that had yet come to be. And I could, so I'm like, this is you, this is not fiction. This is you. And what I shared with her and what we're going to share that I've never shared in the four years I've been divulging my life on the internet about this um, is that my first serious relationship was with a woman in college. You know, there are many ways in which I'm just coming to understand what that was now. And that understanding in myself has then blossomed this greater understanding with my partner and the nuance of our own relationship 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess we kind of came on the, I think when with the language of marriage being the be all end all, what I hope to instill in, I guess what I hope to instill in my readers and my listeners and my, my clients is, is what I want for myself, which was, which is room, room for nuance and, and play and curiosity. I mean, because I, I think that, I think the lines are so blurred for all of us. Yeah. And not even just in sexuality, but in even like, I think like one thing I think a lot about right now is like, do I really want this thing or have I been conditioned to want this thing? Yeah. And it's honestly, it's really hard to tell. (laughs) Right. Right. It's really hard to tell. And a lot of times I don't know until I'm on the other side. I'm like, Oh, I actually didn't really want that thing. (laughs) Um, And sometimes I just have to live my life. And like, instead of being like, do I really want to do this thing? I'm like, Oh, gee, Clara, you don't have to just go do, you know, but, but I, I think in that way, like I, I think we all deserve to make more room for that mm-hmm. in our, yeah. in our lives. Yeah. I love that. So it sets the stage was... for a different type of relationship. I mean, yeah. I think when, when you're, when there's room for nuance, right? Like the level of intimacy and trust that requires. So yeah. anyway, I'm re- I, I, you were going to say something. I was just going to ask, is there something that we haven't covered that you want to talk about? I'm like, I kind of want to ask you guys about your divorces, but that might, might take us down a long windy rabbit hole. And I know (laughs) that you're building this podcast and doing a series of interviews, but yeah, ask us. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious what you hope to create with this podcast and what kind of conversations you're having and and how, how you're drawn to those for how they serve you. You want to answer? You go first. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. um, I mean, we were talking about it and I guess so much of it was like things that we were talking about already. And like some of it's been, you know, very eye opening. Like we've talked about like attachment styles and we've talked about love languages. And some of this is stuff that we, you know, looked at before and like looked into before. And I don't know. I think it's just kind of like reset, like kind of our mindset on like what we're looking for going forward. It's also just a good, really good reminder. Like I feel like when you're, because we, we have been dating and it's just been a good reminder to be like oh right we just talked about <laughs> like wait oh this is my anxious attachment coming I through know, or this is like <laughs> oh, this is something we just talked about like this, yeah. i'm doing it right now <laughs> yeah absolutely and for me it's just been it's been super exploratory and i love talking to and connecting with other people and especially doing it with my bestie here and <laughs> It's just been, I mean, it's been such a fun bonding experience for us most days when Adrian doesn't want to kill me, but I'm just kidding. But, um, but it's just been so, it's been, it's really been eye opening to talk to people about their relationships and how they make it work. And we've talked to really great couples around us and experts and authors and therapists and it's just been so illuminating, really, I guess is the word. And it's made me realize that we can create some beauty out of this really hard time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's when, like, the best, the books, the whatever creative gets, the, gets yeah. created, I think, right. in some sense. Yeah. yeah. But I you know, you had said before, is there anything else we haven't covered? And 
by way of both of your answers, there was like, oh, you know what? I think there's something else that I want to touch on before we wrap, which is like you had talked about the love languages and the attachment styles and all these things, which I think it's so wonderful. We're living in an age where there's much more awareness and education and conversation around this kind of stuff. And yet I think also in ways the pendulum has swung so far such that we're like trying to control, you know, I'll often have women come to me and they're like, I have an anxious attachment style and this is, I, I need to fix this. I know this is it. So I it like, and, 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 and they're sort of spouting all these statistics and things to me. And the first thing I'll say to them is like, cool, I, I have an anxious attachment style too. And it's sort of this like, where yeah. they're like, wait, 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 because I'm trying to get rid of this thing right, right. that I have. And are these women me? Just <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, you know, I think that, and I'm sure my partner would say the same if he were here. There are ways in which I can see how we both healed, healed, did the work. And we did on ourselves prior to meeting one another and really set the terms for the type of relationship that we want. And there are other ways where totally like smack dab ran into one another because of like our wounds, quote unquote. And I'm like, oh yeah, you would, oh, you would choose someone like that. Oh, you would choose someone like that. Um, what we have is this just shared awareness of like, yeah, we're going to be continuing. This is an ongoing thing that we're going to yeah. be continuing to work on. And I think that to me, I think much like a, I work with a lot of women in finance a lot of lawyers, a lot of people that are like, can we just get some hard edges, some black and white thinking up in here? And I'm like, no, (laughs) you know? So I think the more comfortable with the amorphous nature we can become because take it from a recovering codependent, anxious attachment style, people pleaser, martyr, this is me. Um, if that wasn't clear, <laughs> that it is it is really the ability to have someone that you are just, I mean, I think this was like a, a Linda Baton wrote the Why You Will Marry the Wrong Person article, which was in the Times years ago. And I think is like the most article, popular article that was ever written for the New York Times. And he has some line in there of like asking the person, like, how are you crazy, essentially? And I think there's a level of like understanding each other's craziness within, re- within reason, absolutely within reason. That is what makes for that safety and that flexibility and that that nuance. But I am very much figuring it out as I as I go along. So yeah, yeah. these are great questions. And um, usually I'm the one ho- recording the podcast, so it's nice to be the one. <laughs> so it's just have someone ask me questions. <laughs> yeah, we love that. We did just have one quick segment that we'd like to like sure. do with you before we leave. So we have these. We have four rapid fire questions. We call so, these speed dating. So yeah, we call it speed dating. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna give you we're gonna give you four rapid fire questions. So just answer them as quickly as you can. Okay. And yeah, and this is just something we're asking all of our guests. So first question: How would you describe love in five words or less? Acceptance, patience, compassion, play. And curiosity. Oh, I love that. Amazing. Second question. If you could go back to your younger self and give her some advice on dating or relationships, what would you tell her? So it actually comes back to something that a therapist said to me. I was in family therapy with my brother. And 
we were, we were working through some shit, but largely me not being a second mother to him. And uh, the therapist said to me, you can throw him a rope, but get out of his boat. Mm. It was very much a, like eyes on your own mat. Mm. So like that, getting into someone's business, trying to solve for them. It was very much a coping mechanism and a way for me to find safety within my own nervous system. It wasn't actually about the other person. Hmm. So I would, I would say that whether or not I would listen, but like the <laughs> <I know>. language <laughs> of you can throw him a rope, but get out of his boat. I think he might've said, get out of his fucking boat. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that lands. And wow. I will, my, my relationship with my brother from that has forever changed. So I would That's say an answer. I love that. If you like romantic comedies, what is your favorite? Oh, my God. I mean, what is it? Like anything Nancy Myers? With, um, <laughs> like it's complicated. But it's largely because, oh, it's complicating and something's got to give. Something's yeah. got to give with Diane Keaton. But that's largely because I'm like, I want to be a writer in yeah. this, like, I don't know, $40 million estate of in course. East Hampton. Like, yeah. like that's more. It's not like right. the, exactly the love story there. Um Romantic. I'm more like, like you know, eat, pray, love. I'm, I'm that gal. I'm like, oh, let's play yeah. up our lives and go to Bali. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm there. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert is my fave. Um, okay, favorite love song. Well, actually, I just rewatched Eat, Pray, Love over the weekend, and um, in the midst of me, like my second phase of COVID. There is a song on that. I think it's Heart of Gold by Neil Young. I love that song. Yeah. I'm pretty sure without me pulling up the soundtrack, but it's like there's a full moon rising. Is that the, is that the, Uh yeah, that just comes to mind. I mean, I have a million, but it's so, I think that that is so tender. I love that song. I love that. Those were our final questions. How can people get in touch with you and follow your podcast and keep up with you and all of that good stuff? Yeah. So I, my umbrella brand is, I think I like you, a counterintuitive approach to dating and relationships in the digital age. And that's just at, I think I like you.co on Instagram, or I think I like you.co is the web address. And from there you can find the podcast. I put out one to two episodes a week. I'm inching towards two a week. I have a newsletter in which I, um, I share like essays and narrative nonfiction. So it's not all like, you know, do this thing, buy this thing, join this course or this program or whatever it may be. Uh, so my, my writing and my podcast, I've, I've literally had people be, they're like now engaged. They're like, I've just consumed your content and like, it's changed my life. And now I have the relationship that I want. So, um, I, it is, it's actually, it's so cool. It's so cool. And I've literally had people that have been emailing me and keeping me posted for years. And now like, yeah. So I always encourage people to check that out because it's free. Yeah. And then there are, you know, on my website, coaching options listings listed if you want to work with me, but podcast and newsletter are going to be your best bet. Awesome. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Yes. Thank you so much for yeah. taking time to talk to us. Of course. Thank you for having me. You guys are a delight. This was this was really comforting and, and cozy. Now I'm going to go like run errands and I'm like, oh, I, I feel that every time we record, I'm just like, this is the most comforting space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you I so know much. The feeling. You're Enjoy so welcome. your errands. <laughs> thank you all. Take good care. Bye. All right, thanks. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. Follow along on our socials at Open Heart Surgery Pod on Instagram, Open Heart Pod on Twitter, and Open Heart Surgery Podcast on Facebook. This podcast is produced by Adrian and Susanna with music by Space Baby and logo design by Emma. This is a Lost Frequency audio production. Yeah, boy. Oh. <laughs> I kind of like it.